0: On this episode of AV Week, the benefits of a utilitarian UC appliance. How 5G, Wi-Fi 6, and IoT will impact the industry. And connecting young people with AV. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 418, recorded Friday, August 23rd, 2019. Stupid Proof. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by By and By Christie Digital and By Crestron. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am the host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, I guess I'll do closest to farthest away, Mr. Jeremy Caldera, whose birthday was just last week from IAS. Welcome, sir.
1: Hello. Glad to be here.
0: And happy belated birthday, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, also with us, uh, I'm not quite sure which is farther, Idaho or, or Jersey, so let's go with Jersey, Mr. Clint Hoffman from Kramer Electronics. Welcome, sir. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And last but not least, Mr. Mark Levecchia, who I have not had on in a very long time, but Mark's a regular over on Steve Greenblatt's uh, State of Control. He is with BMA Software. Welcome, sir. Absolutely. Uh, So let's kick this off, guys. We've got a a number of stories here. Some of them kind of evergreen, but the the first time I want to kick off here is from our buddy David Danto. David hosts a show for us called Connected. Uh, He recently moved to to Poly uh, after being a, a consultant for a number of years he writes about the end for purpose built collaboration devices and, and so understand that, that, that david has been talking about the ucc space for a lot of years uh he's a part of the imcca he's he, he's done uh, a number of of uh, sessions he, he has a new kind of a like get together uh did one in new york he's doing one in in silicon valley um, uh, this fall getting together the uc uh, folks movers and shakers and, and the designers So the fact that he writes a piece about the end of purpose-built collaboration devices already grabbed grabbed my attention. So I'm going to read a quote from here. Quote, unquote, the the growing trend of a PC in the room or laptop that runs on one of a myriad collaboration software solutions on the the market, as opposed to a purpose-built device specifically designed and optimized for the experience, the growing trend here is the the fact that that is going away. Um, Danto goes on to, to identify a number of, generically, he doesn't call it anybody specifically, but generically, these types of devices that are going away, the, the, these purpose-driven, this, the, these Unitarian uh, pieces. Jimmy, I'm going to start with you on this. When you guys go in to design a system today, uh, whether that is a huddle space, whether that is a, a full-fledged you know, conference room with you know the big boardroom table and, and 15 chairs, when you guys go in there and you're talking to your clients what is, what is the feedback you're getting from, you know, what it is they're telling you they need both today and, and possibly even, you know, maybe a year into the future?
1: Well, they're getting away from, as far as collaboration goes and, and conferencing, they're getting away from hard codecs, in my okay. experience. Um, that, that's first and foremost. Now, they're still there, right? Uh, there's still a few instances where we have them. Uh, but pretty much it's, hey this department uses Teams, this department uses Zoom, this department uses this, and then, by the way, this department uses ClickShare, and this department uses Mersive, and this department uses, you know, whatever. So we need to just be completely agnostic, right? So we don't need a a Cisco or a Polycom, and we don't need something that is necessarily, um, you know, Teams certified, as long as it's Teams certified and does ABCD right and all these other ones too so uh we just see just just the wide gamut and that's where i'm seeing the trend going is just this whole idea of anything right you just need to be versatile and it has to work right none of this uh we need to load 100 drivers and we need to you know do all these other testing and whatnot it's it just it's got to work it's got to work with anything that we could potentially add that's my favorite we could potentially get something else we don't know what that is but it's got to work with that Right, that's my favorite comment that I love to get. So, of course, my response is always like, "Sure, we got it." You know, in the meantime, I'm crossing my fingers that it's nothing that I, I know doesn't work with this stuff. So,
0: well, well Clint, one of the things that that, that dental brings up at, towards the end of the article is the fact that there are use cases for those Unitarian, right, for systems that do just one thing. So, when you're talking to to folks like Jeremy how how do you advise them to to say okay you know what yes there there are absolutely use cases for something that is that can do anything for anybody right you can you can use danto's quote watch cat videos and do uh video collaboration but there's also these devices that you might want that just do one thing
2: yeah you know and and he he actually wrote this very uh cunningly because you know, he's burying his true point, which his true point is you should buy a purpose-built device if you're a Fortune 500 company who worries about security and making sure that the device does what it's supposed to do when it's supposed to do. Uh, you know, his last, his last paragraph says, you know, however, if you're in a Fortune 500 enterprise and you want to install and not worry about a fortified, solid device that its only purpose is the completion of successful video conferences, then go with a purpose-built device. I, I kind of truncated that at the end there, but you know, yeah. The the headline is, he's saying this is what what everybody's talking about, and this is where the world is is heading. And courting everybody, but frankly speaking, you should just get a purpose-built device. So it's clever how he wrote that, uh, and 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 uh, I happen to agree with him. Yeah.
0: Mark when you're talking with folks, and again, Mark's, Mark's a programmer. You know, his company, BMA Software they make you know uh, one of my favorite people in the world are, are, are controller programmers because uh, I used to be one uh, you guys are able to look at these systems from a, a kind of a holistic standpoint because you're kind of making sure everybody kind of talks together does it matter if, if it's a if it's a unitarian device or if it's this multi-use system that can kind of do everything when it comes to making sure that the systems are, are able to talk to each other and be controlled
3: if, if it does matter it doesn't come across that way. And what I mean by that is, uh, we, we strictly program in the commercial world, okay? So we do everything from huddle spaces all the way up to eight-way, 10-way divisible ballrooms. We always touch all of these individual codecs and, and in these uh, wireless uh, communication devices all over the place. And everybody, everybody is dropping the codec, Everybody. I, I'm sure there's a place for it, and I'm sure that they will continue to sell. But I wake up every day grateful that I am not a codex salesperson because we watch uh, all the drawings come in now with a dedicated PC and a couple of cameras in a room, and it's all soft. Uh, with it, with it, with it immersive or click, none of that, that that's interchangeable. Nobody really, um, the only time people care about that is when it doesn't work. But they bring these soft codecs in because they're dummy proof. Zoom dummy proof. You can share content. You can bring people in. You can record. You can you can do all the things you want to do. And guess what? If we want to upgrade it, there's a firmware upgrade. It doesn't break the rest of the room into pieces. You know, I'm probably not making a popular statement, but we just did a job up in Northern California. We just finished it two months ago, and they had hard codecs, no name necessary, in probably 50 rooms, and they just pulled them all out, and they they put a touch panel Shut in. Shut up. For Zoom, we're going into this system, we're pulling out the codecs, and they are adding a control system that has a Zoom mode in it. And that's it. You want to do a video call, you push the button, you go over there and that's it. And that's what I've been seeing more than anything. Stupid
1: proof. That was the key stupid, word that you used. Stupid, stupid
3: proof. proof. Yeah, and, and so how do what, what, how you back that real quickly is uh, what the other trend that we see is when we're doing a user interface, for a room that people say, I don't care how the room operates or anything, but I need this to look and act just like a Cisco. I need the Cisco look and feel because I really got that down really well. They do have a good user interface. So I may not even have that codec in here, but I need that look and feel in here. And then once you switch over to these soft codecs, it's it's completely dummy proof. Anybody can go in and make a call. You can do this with me and you're not sitting there doing my audio check on my, you know what I mean? So." It's been very dramatic on our side over the last, I'd say, two years. And lastly, the, the pedal's on the metal right now.
0: Wow. that's I, I will say that it's fascinating that you bring up the, the Cisco code uh, interface. Um, actually, one of the jobs that Jeremy and I did together um, was, it was my first time that I had ever had a client uh, ask specifically for a Cisco interface, and we went through the process and, and got it all down. But that, that client specifically asked for you know a, a Cisco interface. They were a huge Cisco house, uh, and they wanted their their control systems to emulate that even if it wasn't a Cisco. So yeah, uh, it, is, it is a nice interface. Uh, all right, guys, next story we're gonna hit here, uh, actually comes to us from Commercial Integrator. And Alan Braun uh, writes about his predictions for Internet of Things, Wi-Fi, and 5G. Uh, <laughs> Alan goes on to talk about how uh, the IoT and and 5G are going to kind of revolutionize uh, the industry. Uh, Alan's somebody that has been around a long time. Uh, he is a uh, an, an a uh lifetime uh, education uh, he has a lifetime education award. He's Been teaching a long time in the industry. A lot of respect for him. And Clint, we'll start with you on this. When it comes to some of the things that that Alan talks about, um, specifically about the IoT. That's that's an area that folks in this industry have argued about for years now. I mean, we're in 2019. We've been talking about this for at least five or six years. Where, where are we going to go when it comes to I- IoT in the commercial AV space?
2: So I, I think, and, and Alan mentions this in the article, it's about the uh, data. Um, you know, collecting data and then being able to use that data to make better decisions down the line is inherently what IT uh, managers do. And we're now marketing and selling more and more to the IT manager, IT department in the pro AV industry. It's not typical that you would expect pro AV stuff to give you data. So this is not something that's happening at breakneck speed. But uh, if you can put a sense. Or 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 any or connect any kind of a device that will collect that that will trigger the uh, control system to know something uh, into the control system. Then then there's so much data we can gather. You know, if, if you're building a hundred conference rooms and and you built a hundred conference rooms, then you're going to build another hundred, and um, and nobody ever uses the Blu-ray player in the room. Well, you're not going to put a Blu-ray player in the next hundred because you've learned that conclusively. Um, and that's a very simple uh, example of that. but uh, you know he's, he's right. Uh, the more data we can collect in the future, the more value we're going to have the, you know, in terms of being able to offer the end user and, and, and then also turn this into a kind of a managed service. Kind Mark, of thing, when it comes to, to, to both
0: IOT that. and, and uh, Alan writes about Wi-Fi six, which is the next generation of, of wireless access, take those two together when you're talking about control systems and the abilities that you guys are going to have here in the next year to three years when it comes to using that data to push out notifications, let people know kind of in real time where their systems are and the health of those systems?
3: Well, it's to be fair, it's probably one of the least used portions of our business to begin with is collecting that data. A lot of people set up for it and a lot of people prepare for it and they'll set up you know asset management software that we can take a look at what's going on. Uh, but. It's not as embraced in our business as it should be, and I think that the technology is moving faster than the acceptance of this data collection. This data collection is huge, and I think the challenge that we face with it in our side of the business, not the IT side... What we tell is we, we're counting on salespeople and engineers in the field to talk about things that are not really 100%. There's, they're out there to collect the data and do things, but I don't know that they are as marketed as well as they can be. So what happens is it gets put to the shelf when you're trying to close the job. Uh, but when we have customers that use that data collection, it's it's very purposeful. What I mean by that is uh, we have a customer on the East Coast who will build four or five different rooms, and each room will have different components in it. And they do this primarily to collect, this is kind of what Clint was saying, they're collecting the data on what people are using, but more importantly, what they're not using. And then they're planning for the next four or five years, we're not going to use this codec because nobody prefers this. Or we're not going to use this wireless. So that data becomes really critical to what they're doing. The problem is that's the exception and not the rule. They don't have people doing this on a regular basis. So that technology, whether you go to 6G or whatever it is, it's, it's, in my mind, that's a side thing because we're not putting it to use the way that it is right now as well as we could. And it's, it's got to catch up at some point. I think it will. But we're struggling. Our industry struggles with this even after all these years.
0: Why do you think that is? Because, and and to misunderstand understand, my my first control system sounds like a Fisher Price toy. Uh, my my first control system <laughs> had a, an asset management component to it. It was not nearly as robust as what we have now. Right, right? understand that. Uh, but it was, and it, it was had the capabilities of as a tech manager, which is what I was at the time had had the ability to tell me lamp hour life had to tell had the ability to tell me when a projector was no longer uh communicating in other words when it got stolen right this is all through 232 into the network right, um right. and, and so, but this this was elementary stuff in the in the early 2000s or early to mid 2000s that technology has evolved greatly since then greatly why haven't we embraced it more
3: my answer could be different from a lot of people's. My answer is because we're relying on salespeople within our business that don't know how to sell it. Okay. They just simply don't know how to sell it. And in, the, in our business right now, I can, pick, I can throw a rock and hit an AV integrator from my, from my patio, okay? They're all over the place. Whether they're trunk slammers or they're big integrators, they're all over. And getting an order is really hard right now with margin. Okay. So what do you do? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to not try to sell more of this. i want to get this order in and then maybe I'll bring in this asset management stuff later on. Uh, what we do is we work with our integrators. We lay it in the background anyway, so they can go in and open it up later. But, uh, I, I've always said that it's begun and ended with the integrator sales people. They just don't want to, because they can't speak about it as quickly and as, as purposefully as they should. Okay.
0: All right. Uh- yeah. Okay.
2: Tim, if I may, there's a there's an old Far Side uh, comic that uh, I always use in relationship to the pro-AV industry. And uh, it, and that that it's a picture of a dog at like in a circus setting up on a high wire, and he's juggling a, a cats and he's got a vase on his head and now he's doing a hula hoop at the same time. And the, and the caption was suddenly Rex <laughs> realized he was an old dog and this is a new trick. Yeah. That's the pro-AV industry. We're a bunch of old dogs, and uh, we do what we're comfortable with. I'm going to it's gonna just just have to find to that,
0: that, that, that cartoon clip. Old dog new tricks. All right. Yeah, Google uh, Far Side Kildare, you're the youngest dog, dog here. Uh, so, you know, whether it's 5G or um, – that, that's the question I was going to ask you is, is what impact – you know, and the one thing about five G that Alan writes about is the fact that it gives it, it's greater speed, lower latency, and you can connect more devices to it, which gives us in the industry that are sometimes we rely on on, on wireless access, um, you know, a little bit more flexibility when we're designing systems. But whether it's IoT or five G, what are the impacts of these newer technologies?
1: Uh, well, as long as they're reliable, the impacts are huge, right? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna start to see. Um, just everything grow by leaps and bounds and this whole 5g thing i'm interested by because everybody was like oh i remember when 3g was a huge thing and i loved it then we had lte right now we get four now whenever my phone kicks over to 3g i feel like i'm in the stone age right Right. which is just unbelievable this whole 5g thing is going to be fantastic you know (laughs) but it's all going to come down to reliability right correct um as far as iot goes i think that that you're right. We got a lot of data that we can collect, and I think the manufacturers and all the software and everything is giving us more data uh, than we know what to do with. And, and that's the key: is no matter how much data we collect and what we're going to do with it in this IoT world and everything's high speed, it's it's how do we interpret it? How do we? What do we do with it? Right? I mean, that's the long and short of it. What are we going to do with this data? And how are we going to? Uh, use this as a customer, as an end user, as an integrator, as, as whatever, right? Because I think that's going to be the key. Because we have talked about this for a long time that traditional AV integration is is not dying; it's dead, right? And everybody has to get on board with this. And for for me, I know that one thing I'm trying to ask myself right now is um, how do, like you said, how do we sell it? Okay, because I got it's traditional AV Salesforce. Uh, how do we sell? managed services, how do we sell managed services that include all of this data analysis, and more importantly, how do we make it easy to understand for both the client and whoever else, right? So taking the data, it's, it's like the world of, of control system programming, I'll, I'll equate it to that in a very butchered analogy here, okay? right. We make a control system so that the end user finds the system easy to understand, hopefully. okay. But there's all this other stuff that's really complex on the back end. Well, that's what we have to do with all this data that we're now mining from all this equipment, right? We have to siphon through it all and make it easy to understand. And I think once we can do that and we can do it with everything, right, and we can store it up in the cloud and we can easily integrate stuff um, and then package that up with an SLA, for me as an integrator, that's what's going to sell right but then of course i have like you said i have to find a person to, to, to then sell that um I, I think that's the the most striking part of this of articles like this is is kind of determining all of that as far as 5g goes 5g is great we all love speed more speed right give me more speed i'll take it i'm waiting for 6g
0: well <laughs> i'm already there. don't get, don't get <laughs> out of yourself here do you think in in, in whether it's your organization or other organizations do you think it, it it is a generational thing I mean we we, we all you know the Clint's cartoon is, is probably apt but do you think that's what it is, is is wrapping your head around the idea of whether it's you know selling a, a service level agreement selling recurring revenue you know commercial integrator and, and SCN and, and sound communications and, and we've talked about you know selling recurring revenue for years and the reason that they, that they keep writing up articles about it is because there's still a boatload of people who just haven't done it yet right it's exhausting if, if, reading about it yeah <laughs> you know. but yeah but but that's the thing is is, is that there are dealers who simply I, i'm not going to say put their head in their sand but but that simply don't either don't get it or just say you know what that's that's not for me right my, my dad sold three gun bar you know three gun barcos i sell you know barcos it's what we've we've done a, a, as a company is that the thing where it's it's you know, getting the, the younger salespeople and the younger engineers on board with both recurring revenue and service level agreements and selling you know like you know the, the asset management stuff?
1: I don't know if this is 100% true, but I think this is going to be driven by the manufacturers and I don't know that it's generational. I think it's just a mindset. Now granted mindset ties in with generation much of the time, but um, I mean I consider myself fairly younger even though my recent birthday would disagree with you, and I'm bald by choice, not by force. So I would say that, um, you know, for me, it's just because of the way I was brought up by traditional people, that's how I know to design, how I know to sell, and the tools were not available for this data collection and data mining. So now that it's available, I think that yes, the younger generation is gonna embrace this more because that's all that they're gonna know, right? Versus us who are in the middle who are trying to figure out how we're gonna do X, Y, and Z, right? I think once that embracement happens from the younger generation is in conjunction with what the manufacturers are gonna be pushing and allowing and helping to make a lot of that back end programming and cloud integration and apps and all that stuff work and 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 make things less proprietary and uh, more agnostic. I think as, as that trend kind of pushes forward, uh, we're gonna see a major shift uh, in this stuff, right? Because we all know, what, like we said, we, we said it exhaustively. We don't make money on equipment anymore unless you're lucky. Um, and, and so we need, to, we need to embrace it. We need to figure out how.
3: One of the things, Tim, that I tell the integrators that I work with on a regular basis, especially when I'm dealing with the salespeople, is listen, bring me in or bring in the manufacturer. Let us help you. If you're not confident in being able to sell this, bring us in. They will come in. They will set up and show and do a dog and pony and talk about the integration and answer their IT questions. They'll do all of that for you and help you close that sale. But that's, that's not the mentality. The mentality is I got to go in, I got this bill of materials, this is what I'm pushing. You, I would tell any salesperson, reach back to the manufacturers and they will help. And if they don't, then you know where you stand with that manufacturer. But almost all of them will be happy to go in and share and show with you to get that added value into your system.
1: It's not just the integration though, too. It's the end users, right? The end users um, are a lot of them are traditionally old school, right? Just like we are in integration. Some people from integration move into being end users. I mean, there's this whole shift. We're all, it's a small industry, right? So we all um, it's, it's hard to embrace it. If, no matter what your end user integrator, it doesn't matter, right? If you're used to a certain way of doing things, that's, that's the way it's going to be done. So yes, I think we're going to see a shift. It's going to be driven by manufacturing. It's going to have to be embraced by end users. And you're right. You have to bring in the manufacturers and the people who know it uh, in order to sell it and to get the end users to adopt it. I think once all that lines up in the perfect world of AV stars, which is, you know, hopefully coming soon, I think that uh, uh, we'll see that big transition.
3: Let me add this. Go ahead. I think it's also
2: a bit of a cart and a horse because because uh, you know if you're if you're in if you own a, a, a an integration firm like you you do Jeremy you, you're 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 it's historically been a project based business okay how many projects do I have that I suspect I can get in 2020 I can make a budget and then I can make payroll every other Friday um, and if we wouldn't it be better better to say, hey, my budget for 2020 is starting with this many SLAs, this much guaranteed money coming in, and then I can go find some projects to augment that. So I think most integration firm owners want it, but they got a bunch of people working for them who need to get that project done and get the next one designed and done. And, and they know how to do it around a you know, oversimplification around a great big matrix switcher. They don't know how to do it in a different kind of way yet. Uh, so it's kind of a cart and a horse issue, but I think you're right. Uh, we're gonna get there, just mm-hmm. uh, just.
0: All right guys, uh, we'll wrap to up today uh, with another story from Senate Communications and jo- Joseph uh, Valerio. Joseph writes about uh, the Avixa uh, Foundation and their efforts in workforce. Uh, found it interesting as we kind of wrapped around and, and ended that last conversation talking about generation. Joseph writes, most students already have many of the skills required to get started in a v an AV career. The next step is simply to enhance what they already know. Mark, I'm going to start with you on this, and we're just kind of going to go around the horn real quickly, guys. If you were talking with either a high school student or, or somebody in college, and they were interested in technology or they're interested in music or what have you, how would you go about getting them hooked into or connected to the industry?
3: I uh, take them behind the scenes, to be honest with you. Uh, we, I'd love to take a student to uh, the L.A. Emergency Operations Center in there and see 40 displays up on a wall and cameras all over the place, all over the, all over the city, and the way that we tie it all together and we can communicate it and, and pass information from one place to the other and really see what we do. Uh, it's, it's it's they they need to there's two things that for me they need they need to see what we do behind the scenes you can't just take them and show them an 80 inch display and go look aren't we cool you can't even show them a wireless device that you could walk in and send data up to and make a presentation they don't care right? what they care about is being able to be challenged in what it is that they do. And the way to challenge them is to show them the back end of what we do. Let's go to the racks. Let's go to the building material. Let's go into that portion of it. Let's dive into the programming. Let's see what we can do. That always tends to jazz them up quite a bit. Uh, And the other part of it is, which is something I've talked about recently, which is uh, I challenge any industry in our country to show a greater growth of entrepreneurs and business owners than our business does. Um, we, we're, we're, a lot of us are business owners out of necessity or out of desperation, right? I can't do this anymore. I think I have a better way. I'm going to go do it. But you look at the number of companies that are, are run right now in our business by people who were pulling cables just 10 years ago. The, there's a big push towards integration um, companies, not from a sales uh, hardware standpoint, but they're saying, look, you have an overflow. So I've got the, the, the people... Who can build the racks and bring it out to the job site and get it on the network and commission that system for you but i'm not going to buy and sell hardware there's a big jump in those type of businesses right now and those are people who were cable pullers and and, and uh, you know they were field service engineers and they saw a better way i would any person that's interested in our business that's got to be something we push and we don't push it near enough
0: mm-hmm. Jerry, uh, same kind of question. How do you get uh, young people um, connected to and interested in the AV industry?
1: It goes in conjunction with he said. It's it's the wow factor, right? I mean, how, how do we just let them experience what it is um, that we do, right? Whether it's if they, you know, you first got to find what they're interested in. If they're interested in programming, show them that. If they're interested in just cool technology, show them, you know, whatever, the behind the scenes. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, because like he said, you know what I mean? nine times out of 10 hey we got this cool wireless stuff we can send my phone from here to here and they're like oh yeah like I'm already doing and they've already right. figured it out and they've done it before I've even showed them the app you know what I mean or whatever right i mean they they're gonna they're gonna know the technology they're gonna embrace the technology uh, but it's it's the behind the scenes it's what what we do that's complex that makes it seem simple over here right and and being involved in figuring that out that's that i think that's the draw
0: all right. Clint, you'll have the last word on this. Uh, how do we keep, get young people involved?
2: Yeah, this is such a big challenge because uh, there's no uh, college curriculum for a pro AV. Uh, you know, it's either radio, television, film, theater, music. Uh, you know, you mentioned so many of the people that are in our industry were previously musicians or something like that. Uh, and because of that, uh, you know, I had the privilege of serving on on the uh, uh, um, ICI, uh, at the time, ICI, now VIXA Foundation Board. And we used to give out the scholarships for folks who wanted to come into the industry. And we'd get like 100 sc- uh, applications a year, and we go through them. And nobody knew what the pro-EV It was, I'm going to be a theater major. I'm going to write computer games. I'm going to, you know, make movies. And, uh, you know, you come here when, when, when you're 18 or 19 or 20, and, and you suddenly realize, I'm not going to be a director in Hollywood. Then you find your way to the AV industry. So it's, it's, it's a real challenge, but, but both Mark and Jeremy have nailed it. Once that person's in that mindset that I'm not going to be a famous actor or I'm not going to be a movie star or a rock star, it's like, hey, take a look at what we do. And they're like, wow, that's really cool. And then we got them. So
1: you know, I, it is a challenge. I, I went to Columbia College in Chicago long before I ever taught there. I was lucky enough to be on their board. Right? And in my first class, my freshman year, they said, you know, hundred students, how many people are here for live sound? Do they want to, you know, mix the next band you get 60 kids and how many here want to be the next recording artist? You get 30 kids, right? Then you get how many here are to do installed sound. And I was one of the lucky few that made that weird decision in college. Right. And there were a couple of us raised our hand and they said, okay, the rest of you are going to be doing what they do. Right. And it was true because once they realized they weren't that recording engineer, they weren't the next fun of house guy. And they were going to have terrible hours and terrible pay. And by the way, you know, you want to be the recording engineer, but how about do you want to design the recording studio? Does that interest you anymore? Because that, you know, showing people behind the scenes of that would draw them into then our side of the house. So I, I completely agree.
2: Yeah, the old joke in our industry is you go to a family picnic and somebody says, What do you do for a living? And you're like, Well, I do professional AV. And they're like, Oh, like Best Buy? You no, know, <laughs> nobody knows about the pro AV industry except us.
0: <laughs> no, I, I will still steal uh, Rich Fregosa's, uh line. Um, uh, he's a v- VCR repairman and has been for 30 years. So, All right, on that note, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Caldera, how do people find you or IAS?
1: Uh, IAStechnology.net, uh, Jeremy underscore Caldera on uh, the Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that's it.
0: All right, very good. Mr. Clint Hoffman, thank you, sir.
2: Oh, thank you. Uh, you can find us at W www.kramerab.com.
0: Right, very good. And Mr. Laveckia, how do people find you or BMA?
3: Ask around. <laughs> There's a couple of this, this ask around. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. I mean, it's ask around. I've got a website, Software solutions.com. I have a Twitter handle, but um, it's not very active. Go to Jackson Hole and head a little Northwest. Yeah. That's right. You come up to come up to Lane and we'll get on the lake and I'll tell you about my company. All
0: right, very good. Uh for me for Tim Albright don't follow me uh, on the Twitter's but go by the website if you would please TV. that is TV. you'll find this program and a host of others while you're there. Please check out our supporters section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and coverage of Cedia 2019. And Kramer is one of those, and we thank them for their support. I mentioned Cedia. It happens the 12th through the 14th of September. The reason I mention it, yes, it's a residential show, but even if you're in the commercial industry, AV industry, you need to pay attention because a whole lot of interesting things uh, come out of there. I, I will point to uh, Dallas uh, three years ago. When voice control made a huge splash, and yes, it it will. If it hasn't hit your your boardrooms yet, it will. uh, You'll at least be asked for it. How about that? Uh, So yeah, pay attention to CEDIA here in about three or four weeks. Uh, Also, while you're there. Check out uh, State of Control, which Mark is on, uh, and also have a brand new Digital Signage Digest coming down the pipe uh, this week. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.